Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What are you doing this for, Bishop? Like, well, what's this? What's this? Sorry. But that was like an evil genius sort of thing. It's hard to explain. You were sort of putting your, it's like, I don't know what, what's, what do you call that? A steeple. She was building like a finger yeah. steeple. Finger steeple and sort of dancing the fingers together like like someone who's delighted that an evil scheme was coming together. That's the, that's what I associate that with. <laughs> do you think any evil schemer has ever actually done that with their fingers? I hope so. I have, and I have been known to be an evil scheme. <laughs> you just Our guests, Black Mirror's Charlie Brooker and Fisher Ali. Too much. How about I say hi to the oldies mm. and you say hi to the newies? Mm. Okay. Hey, stranger. You look well. I heard someone say once that they think it's very sexy if anyone ever goes like, you look well. And I was like, oh, I get that completely. Whenever I hear that, I think people are saying that I look like I've been eating a lot. Are you joking or are no. you serious? No, I'm serious. This is getting me de- genuinely depressed about your mental well-being already. I'm not saying I would like it if somebody said to me, oh, you look unwell. No, but but I'm saying it, it's, not a, it's not a euphemism. And the fact that you've somehow taken that phrase and figured out a way to spin it into something negative is sad. So I'm going to go back to the listeners. Okay. You look, you look well. Have you cut back on? Well, I don't want. I want. I just wanted to ask but, the listeners if they cut back on the booze, but that that implies that they've been drinking too much, and I don't want them to feel judged. No, but it is. Uh, it is a majority British audience, so they probably have. You probably have. It's, it's summertime. You look like you have sat in a nice outdoor pub and had a couple beers. The way you're describing them makes it sound to me like they're a little red of face. No, I'm talking like sun-kissed. I'm thinking natural highlights in the hair from open water swimming. I'm feeling that you have been outdoors, but you're going to come back in because you can't stay outside all day. You got to get that tushy inside. You got to put that little tush on the sofa. And that's why we're here. So it's now my job to welcome in the people who perhaps didn't listen to the Succession podcast and are are listening to this due to a chain of events, possibly an accident. We're going to call them newies, like newbies, but different which is very like something my mother would do right it's like she's so original yeah you guys have come up with this new word newies so here's what i think you're feeling like you know sometimes when you see a new shop you say i wouldn't mind sticking my head in there but you're feeling a little trepidatious there might not be anybody else in there the shopkeeper might be a bit much you don't know how long you're obliged to spend browsing before you can leave and never go back in there yes i'm talking to those people and it's possible that you've seen the name charlie brooker or Bisha K. Ali, and thought, I like Black Mirror, I'll have a listen to that. And you're already thinking, should I skip ahead? 
I just want to reassure you that it's going to be okay. I'm opening my arms to them. We are desperate to be liked. We were a succession podcast. Mm -hmm. And then they took that away from us because one of the fundamental rules of life is if you love something, they will take it away. And that void was the impetus to do this new version of the podcast. We've been swimming in this sort of sea of emptiness after succession ended. And we know there's so much stuff out there, but it's sort of like the great love of our lives. The hottest, smartest, funniest one dumped us. Just wonder, have we been dumped or are we widows and widowers? We've been widowed. And we are comparing our grief to, um, if you're listening and you've lost someone and you're recently bereaved, we believe our loss to be the same as yours. (laughs) Um, So we want to devote ourselves to the project. The noble cause. The noble cause of finding the good shit and finding the right people to watch it with. So if the question is, are you watching anything good at the moment? Which is what we're all asking each other. We're going to try and answer it. You're going to try and answer it. And our guests are going to try and answer it. And between us, we have the taste to answer that question well. It's such a big swing, but it is 100% what we think about ourselves. And you. We're so and arrogant. And the we have on. We might not think it about you. I don't know who you are. Some people, sure. But don't disgust me. Don't waste my time. Be adorable. Be cool, man. <laughs> and just like tell me what you think um and we're not going to be those professional tv reviewers who tell you what's out this week we're watching tv like how you watch tv yes some stuff is a slow burn some stuff will take a while to get to us we'll work on word of mouth and, and we'll just figure out what we're all watching that's any good yeah that sounds right what do you think my biggest flaws as a watcher are? i mean i know do, wait do, i'm so ready to answer this go ahead do we need to tell them we're husband and wife by the way Oh, I mean, this sexual electricity speaks for itself. <laughs> um, okay, the huge one. You're unbelievably sensitive about being rejected. He was adopted. It's a whole thing. So he'll say, hey, do you, do you know what I did? Do you want to watch this? And I'll think, oh, I don't. But then I'll have to weigh how much I don't want to watch it against how you manage rejection. So then I'll be watching this thing, but you can like stuff that is a lot slower of pace and a lot more naturalistic. So oftentimes, the stuff that you like has a sedative effect on me. And I will feel myself starting to fall asleep while I also feel my husband at the end of the sofa leering aggressively at me. And then the second I get close to doing that, Jeff's like, you know what, let's just stop it if you're going to fall asleep. Do you want to just pause it? But I think you hear that question is more hostile than it is. All I'm saying is, look, if, if you're falling asleep, I'll watch something else. Yes, but the reason that it makes me angry you is because start you to have dose. rage issues. <laughs> I do have rage, rage, I have issues. rage issues. But also it's because you feel antagonized by my sleeping. I'm going to put a little blankie over you the next time. No, because that'll wake me up. Because <laughs> I'm princess in the pee. I'm princess in the pee. <laughs> So that's us. We want to hear from you. And I think the main way that will happen is via email. Fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com. But Sarah, that's our old succession email address. I know, but we've thought about this a lot. Succession was a very well-written show. <laughs> and I we have not stumbled across something that we thought was like equally succinct. And fuck off is fun to say. And I think it's fun to listen to. And that's arrogant, but I do believe it to be true. So for anyone new, do you want to remind them of that email address? Fuck off at firecrotch and normcore 
com. And every week we will be bringing you guests. We've set the bar worryingly high for ourselves on this first week. I'm not even excited about it. I think it might have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Charlie Brooker and Bisha K. Ali. And... Um, we want to talk to Charlie Brooker because he's famous and because he's a TV guy and because the first thing that we're like, oh, okay, what is there is Black Mirror and Bisha is the only other credited writer on this season. And she's an executive producer on all the episodes. She's an exec producer on all the episodes. Yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> These fucking bitches. Fucking Bisha. Oh, my God. I knew Bisha a little bit through stand up, but then someone made a turn for the better. And that's fine. And I am happy for her and her success. The, the two trajectories weren't in lockstep. As it turns out, <laughs> my trajectory ambitions were not in lockstep. But she is a nice person. So she is in a small group of people whose success I celebrate. So anyway, today we are talking to Black Mirror writers and, as it turns out, executive producers, Charlie Brooker and Bisha Kelly. So who knows how it will turn out, but we think how it's going to go is we will rattle through some stuff that we've watched, mm-hmm. and we'll go a bit deeper onto something that we've watched. How deep? Balls? Taters deep, yeah. Do you know what's interesting is that I haven't thought about the phrase balls deep in a very long time, and I was like, that's not that deep, but it was because <laughs> it's because I was picturing someone wading into the water. Isn't that funny? I was thinking of someone walking out. I was like, well, you should say neck deep. And then I realized it was about having sex and getting the dick all the way in. That's so sweet that you thought that. I know. I'm very innocent in my little way. (laughs) Oh, my God. Balls deep in the water. (laughs) (laughs) I I do feel like I use my scrotal sack a little bit like a canary in a coal mine. I feel that oh, I really water. have a sense of the water temperature when the bottom of the scrotum yeah, I can see how breaches that would be. the water level. I can see how that would be. Then we'll hear from our guests. Charlie and Bisha. In this instance. And then we'll hear from you. It's a classic arc. And then you're free to go. It's a classic shape. So having established that, shall we start with what we're calling the quick watch? Quick watch. I'm going to start with the Righteous Gemstones. Nice. For people who haven't seen it, how would you describe it? I would sort of describe it as succession E, in as much as it is about a self made, incredibly successful father. Played by John Goodman. With three idiot children who are all involved in his business. Only his business is evangelism. Yes. He is a pastor of mega churches. Yes. As an American, How present are those sort of figures? So I'm north of the Mason-Dixon line, so they're not so present. However, one of my very close friends when I was in college was a Texan. And I don't know. I just just find that whole world very appealing. There's some weird, gross shit in the southern half of the United States. But also there's the southern charm. But you've never set foot inside one of those big evangelical places. Don't you remember we went to, we were in South Carolina once and we saw something about a church and, and I was like, does any part of you want to go to that church service? And you're like, no, but I wanted to go. I know, but I, I worried that they'd try and cast demons out of me or something. But that would be amazing. The enthusiasm with which you responded to the prospect of a demon being cast out of me evokes a woman who's walking around thinking, oh, just just something would take a fucking depression away. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But it's that world. So it's a wealthy family, but it's not succession wealth. And it's a much more cartoony show than succession. Yeah, it's a completely different vibe. But 
It is fucking funny. So the three siblings, uh, one of them is a guy who created Eastbound and Down, and the sister, she's one of the finest comic performers I've seen. The character's name is Judy Gemstone. She's played by an actor called Edie Patterson. I've done some deep Googling. I've looked at her Insta. She seems like a very nice person. And it's I, I, I put it to you, it's, it's the best comic performance on TV. At the moment. ATM. And I wanted to mention it because it was very emphatically recommended to me by a good friend who insisted that I stuck with it. And I'm so pleased that he did that because I'm not sure that I would have done because there is a cartoony, caricature-ish quality to it. I, I find, especially in some of the hair. You have a problem with the hair? Think of the eldest one, the Eastbound and Down guy. Yeah, but isn't that his hair? Isn't that his vibe? What's his name again? Danny McBride? Yes. It's his show as well, right? Okay, his. I'm just looking at his hair in real life. I think it looks like... His hair with fake, what do you call these, chops? Sideies. Sideburns. <sighs> Sideburns. Yeah, sideburns. But they've styled his hair in a 70s way. And very jet black. Maybe it is a wig. And then there's another character who's their uncle. Uncle Baby Billy. Who is a younger actor who they've made look old. I think that's something that they haven't got any better at doing since the Beverly Hillbillies. And my point is this, that unless a friend had repeatedly hammered home that I would like it if I gave it a chance, I think that might have been a red line for me. And I wanted to bring this up because we'd love to know what your red lines are. Yes. And maybe we can help you with them. Oh, are we almost like performing a therapy? Like they're going to give us their red lines and maybe we would think of a show that would push them past their red line, but we think it could be therapeutic for them? Yes. You've got so many. I don't have that many. You don't like a grimy apartment. Mm-mm. It's it's more complicated. Yours are very clear and mine are more amorphous. Anyway, Series 3 of The Righteous Gemstones is available in the UK now. It's been out in the States for a few weeks, I think. There have been five episodes so far. And don't be put off by the -the over-the-top wigs and slightly shonky ageing effects. And I'm sure this is a show we're going to be talking about in future weeks. I'm not going to be ashamed of this, even though Jeff wants me to be. But I'm not. I am watching, and just like that, religiously. If you are not familiar, it is the Sex and the City spinoff. Season one was last year. Season two is this year. They got rid of Samantha Jones because Kim Cattrall has had a feud with the other actors, okay? Which, I like Kim Cattrall, but we all can see three against one. I'm probably on the side of the three. Go on. What did you want to say? Well, just historically... Minorities have been oppressed. Not in this way, idiot. Okay. Um, in my waitressing days, nicest celebs of all time in the restaurant I worked, Sarah Jessica Parker. But you never waited on Samantha, so you can't compare it. No. And I think she's like a much better actor than Like, I'm a big fan. I'm just saying, if three people are in one place and you're like, no, no. Then I go, probably you're the one. But I mean, I'm not I'm not going to weigh, weigh in on that thing because I'm not interested in this story. It's too old. It's too boring. So anyway, they've rejiggered it. They're back. Here come some spoilers because the world can't cater to you. Big Mr. Big died in season one, her long-term love interest. So now here we are in season two and there's a sense of like, can we start cooking with gas? No, because the show is terrible. But it is the most <laughs> watchable thing that is ever happened and i keep trying to think about why and it is it is jeff you will say sometimes that the, the the criteria that you need to have met with television is that you need to want to be in the world often yeah so being in their world is so fun but it's so bad you can't believe it 
I won't even go into how bad because who knows who's watching it and who's not. But it is so bad. But I've got the big solution. Groundbreaking, controversial, but I'm brave in all ways, and I will say it to you now. We kill Miranda. Miranda has to die or go away. Because this has happened. Like, there was the feud, and then a guy did die. And so, like, characters are leaving and coming left and right. But you've already lost one of the main four. You We've got to... They, they cull another. Yes, because one of, the, one of the things that they did is with all the criticisms about sort of how racially insensitive it was as a show, they brought in all these women of color. And some of them are amazing in their roles and the roles themselves are amazing and some of the roles are just not good. So, like, we've got to thin it the fuck out. Isn't it, is it worth getting rid of the dull one at the same time then? She's not dull. She's amazing. I, I put this to anyone who's watching and just like that. Charlotte, like Charlotte and Lisa Todd Wexley deserve their own fucking spinoff. Kill Miranda, she's got to go. And I'm sorry, but Shay's got to go with her. Bye-bye. See you never. The professor has to go. She's a little bit dull. And then we keep Lisa Todd Wexley and Seema the real estate agent. And that is your new quad. And I am giving myself chills thinking about how good that could be. (laughs) Also, Michael Patrick King has to go. I think he's gone cuckoo. So he's got to go. I think some of those ladies who have been writing on it for 20 years might have to go as well. Sell it off. Fresh blood right for those four. Now, as we mentioned, coming up later, our guests are Bisha K. Ali and Charlie Brooker, executive producers, writer, and creator, in Charlie's case, of Black Mirror, which I think we've both really enjoyed this new series. What I'm looking for is to not feel like checking my phone too much. Sometimes I feel it because of the fucking addiction that we all have. Very on brand for Black Mirror. But that it was, it was the first thing that we have watched post-succession that took me away. And you have a checkered history with the show. Oh, my God. Because when you first moved to the UK, it was around around the time it started. And I said, oh, we should watch this. Charlie Brooker is great. It was something that you had been wanting to watch because of what you knew about Charlie Brooker. And you pitched it as a comedy. Now, it was the episode. I think that was the first ever Black Mirror where the concept here is that the prime minister, an imaginary prime minister, obviously, he needs to save a member of the royal family, but the only way he can do it is by fucking a pig to the point of coming inside the pig. On now, television. On television? Yeah. I feel so sick again. I don't even want to be talking about this. It makes me feel so sick. It poisoned you, didn't it? It, you know, I mean, I don't know, but if you are someone who you you watch something and then like the poison goes inside and you're like, I'll never recover from that. Wait, can that be another thing we ask people for? Yes. What What was the thing you watched and then you were never quite the same again? The way I would like to phrase it, what put the poison in? God, and I, I love an alliteration. What put the poison in? I was very susceptible to poison as a child and I am susceptible as an adult. And that fucking Rory Kinnear, is that who played the prime minister? Poor Rory, fucking that poor pig, was so disturbing to me. And I was so... um. I think I was like, well, you're going to deal with this now because I'm not sleeping tonight. Like, I was like, this is an us problem now, buddy. The most so the most recently that happened was with The Last of Us. Oh, my God. Which I couldn't watch past the first episode because the poison was oh, in there. Oh, my God. I forgot about it. And then you insisted on watching the second one. Oh, my God. So and I knew, I, I knew it would bother you. We couldn't handle the mushroom heads. And you were like, I'm out. And I was like, no, I think I can handle this. And so I watched it and then kind of literally came crying to you because I was like, the mushrooms in my head, the mushrooms in my head. I don't think I can sleep tonight. So anyway, Black Mirror and I got off to a really rough start. And then um, the direction that this season is taking that uh, that not everyone is into, and I feel comfortable saying that because Charlie um, spoke about this a little bit himself. 
some parts of it are starting to go in a different direction. I'm super into it because I don't love things that are too sad. And sometimes for me, Black Mirror can be a little too sad. But this season felt disturbing in a manageable way or a bit gory. And I was here for all of it. An ambitious episode that she wrote is fantastic. It's called Demon 79. And it looks like my childhood. It looks phenomenal. There's a real sense of place and time with every different episode. And you're like, oh, great. I'm going to 1970s. Oh, great. Okay. We're in LA and it's the mid naughty. And I, that is part of what is transporting about it, which is why I liked this season so much. So Bishop K. Ali and Charlie Brooker talking about Black Mirror, talking about making television, talking about watching television later. And we've, we've stumbled across something else to ask you. What put the poison in? What is the thing that you watched and you were never quite the same again afterwards? The email address? Fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com. Big Watch then, the thing we watched together this week, and I saw lots of people talk about this on social media, is the Wham! documentary on Netflix. It's just called Wham! It's directed by Chris Smith, who did the Fire Festival. Oh, that was good, but I liked this more. Interestingly, I felt it was a real feel-good piece of television, which... I don't know that that's always what either uh, I'm looking for or you're looking for. You thought it was feel good? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty straight bat up and down story of Wham that really concentrated on the friendship and the joy. Or as I was thinking about his early death. Aha, you're saying how feel good can it be when we know what happens in the end. I don't want to be reducing him to this. I want to talk about Wham! But just to make the point, it was great. And it wasn't depressing at all. But you're sat there watching this guy. Like, I like anything that is about star quality. I love watching that play out where you're like, this guy's just a star and this guy isn't. And they're sort of learning that together. So then George Michael is going to go off and become this thing, but that thing isn't going to heal him and he's going to still have all his pain and then like wind up dead at 53. I really loved Wham! Until I then got to an age where the idea of credible music and the enemy and the melody maker became a thing in my life and then I completely disowned them. This enemy thing sounds like it did some real damage to the culture. Can I say that? Because I hear men say there's just a thing in them where they couldn't get into this kind of music that's actually really good. Maybe it's Wham! Maybe it's ABBA. But like you read NME and it told you something was bad and it's fucked you through like enjoying pop, like really quality pop music. They told me all the significant music was coming out of Stourbridge. I was led to believe that Ned's Atomic Dustbin were the ones they'd be making documentaries about in 30 years' time. Um, how aware of Wham's story? Of, of even Andrew Ridgely were you prior to the documentary? I couldn't have named his name. Just now I wanted to say it. I was like, wait, what, is it Andrew Ridgely? And I kind of would have got there, but barely. My only awareness of Wham was Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. So I got like into George Michael off the back of the song Freedom, but I did not find him sexy. But as a woman, as a grown woman in my mid-40s, watching him once he starts to get his hair under control because like his hair wasn't under control and then it was kind of like the reverse of my mom (laughs) you know how you said that my mom there was like a thing happened with my mother's hair where it was one way and then there was like a day like she was struck by lightning or something (laughs) yes it was essentially a triangle of big bush but on her head not her veg 
And then there was like a click and it became much more circular around her. So he had reverse. So once his hair like did his reverse, he just sort of started to do something for me. But what's really interesting is I think one of the stories that the documentary tells is that he would have never have got there except via the stepping stone of being a tribute act to his best friend, Andrew, who didn't have the musical gifts that he had. Right. That's what was so interesting is that like the he was cool. You can see it visually. It was a beautiful... I, mean, I think he still is this really good looking guy. And George Michael looked like a tiny Greek nerd. You said when watching it that you, you see something of yourself in George Michael. Yeah. George Michael reminds me of myself. And I'm struggling to put a fine point on why, but I think it's the charismatic performer. But when you said, I think I, think I see a lot of myself in George Michael, I somewhat gingerly then said to you you know he's known for being quite generous don't you oh yeah because i'm such a (laughs) i won't even say it and it hit most of the beats of wham's story along the way the club tropicana video the last christmas video which you have a very adverse reaction to because i hate skiing i hate skiing i hate skiing and if you like it i like you less Let's go do a thing where maybe I could die. What? People, like, hurt themselves all the time. I hate skiing. Before skiing was invented, if someone had said, I'm going to give you this sport, but here's some stuff. Number one, it's got to be below freezing for a while, and there's going to be a shit ton of equipment, and it's going to be hard to walk. That is dumb. Now, all I can imagine is that once you're go. That must be very exhilarating for people, but I feel like I can get some of that going down a hill on a bicycle. What about the layers? I hate the layers. I would sweat. <laughs> my hair would be bad. You'd need to pee. I'd probably, I swear to God, if I had to scare, I'd wear a diaper and I'm not being funny. <laughs> not a diaper, because I mean it in a serious way. I would wear like um, what you wear for adult incontinence or like a very, very heavy sanitary pad. You know what I'd like to know? Like, do you, I wonder if a heavy sanitary pad can handle a straight up piss. I feel that would be an easy experiment to conduct. Well, I'm not going to do it, but I would like to know. But if you'd like to know, why wouldn't you just do it one time? It feels too crazy to just piss. So something I want to talk about that I feel is swerved a little bit in the film, or at least we're given this lovely feel-good presentation of it. Mm -hmm. How real do you think it is? That as Wham became massive and George Michael emerged as the songwriter and the star, that Andrew Ridgely felt nothing but joy for his friend. And when George Michael decided to pull the plug on it, he thought it was inevitable and he was happy for him. So you're thinking he obviously was really, really upset by it, but uh, but can't quite say that, so has to say... Well, uh, no, 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 I, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying that the way you make sense of your life at um, 60 or whatever he is now, and the way you make peace with things is perhaps different to when you're in the middle of it and somebody's about to pull the rug from your source of income. But I think by the time George Michael pulled the plug... Andrew Ridgely would have been set for life. Do you think that's a fair statement? Well, I think he was, but I just don't know if he would have known that at the time. Or if it- I think it hurt him more than he admits in the doc. But here's what I also think. I think he's a sort of self-confident person. He's very attractive, and sometimes those people have less baggage. And he had money, and he had achieved a thing. And I think if like you're good-looking and rich without some major trauma you are kind of going to be okay. So if you feel like, oh, I'm a little bit shit because I'm not that talented, I'm not that ambitious, but like, 
I'm 60 and look amazing. And I'm like going to Capri with my family next week. I just picked Capri. I don't know why. Or like um, what, what, what's, Cinque Terre. Cinque Terre. That's where I want him. You, you, you're not straying very far geographically for your original choice, are you? Like coastal <laughs> Italy. He's like, he's he's 60 or whatever, 65, and he looks amazing. And he's going to like go to Italy now for the summer. And and that's because he wasn't the really crazy talented one. And I like those stories. And I think Andrew Ridgely is okay enough that he likes it too. At the same time, it seems insincere when he's talking about how comfortable he is with it in the actual film. But part of what made me think maybe he's always had that attitude towards it is you never saw him when celebrity shows started becoming a thing like i'm a celebrity get me out of here celebrity big brother dancing on ice these things you never saw andrew ridgely because there are people who do those for whom it's not about the money it's the it's the rest of it the approval the the fame and he's never really caught there was a terrible solo album I wonder how hard that was for him. I don't blame him for the solo album. You you were in a money-making machine that broke up. A record label probably said, do you want to make an album? You'd have thought, why not? But it seems like he knew his limitations. That's like me. Are you saying that you're like both George Michael and Andrew Ridgely rolled into one? Actually, I think maybe what I'm saying is I'm the best parts of both of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have all this. And just to be clear, it's, it's not one of those where you're going to discover an extraordinary story that takes surprising twists and turns. But it's a really... It's a fun journey. It's a fun evening. It's a really fun evening. You get to listen to some pop music and see some 80s fashions and think about a nice friendship. And think about star quality. Mm. All right, coming up, our guests. Do you want to say what we can expect from this conversation? I mean, the unbelievable charisma, wit, and energy of Charlie Brooker. It's amazing to me that for years he was primarily known as a writer. And then once you saw him on screen, you're like, oh, God, this fucker's got everything. Yeah, and when you hear, I guess, I guess I'm sure he's worked on everything he's ever done very, very hard. But just talking to him, the shit that comes out of his mouth um, extemporaneously is so funny or, or, or sort of sharply worded that you're like, Oh, maybe he's just like improving all that like weekly wipe shit. So that's him. And then Bisha isn't at all sycophantic with him. You know, she's very talented. She's been doing very well for herself. So she's not acting like, isn't it a pleasure and a privilege? Which of course makes for like a better interview. And so then watching their dynamic is fun as well. Maybe that's an oversell, but I hope it's not. Do you think Jesse's getting jealous if he's listening to me talk about other boys? Charlie Brooker is so talented. (laughs) He's such a genius and he's an amazing writer. I'm really enjoying obsessing about his TV show. (laughs) When's Jesse Armstrong going to be put on camera? Some people can do both is all I'm saying. Charlie Brooker is an on-screen talent too. It's It's not a big deal. I'm just making a point that we all know already. Coming up next, it's Black Mirror's Charlie Brooker and Bisha K. Ali. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Bisha, the first time then that you and Charlie met, was there any component of being like, I've got to act normal, I've got to act normal? Or was he able to sort of set you at ease and bring your normalcy out? I don't know if Charlie's ever set me at ease and brought my normalcy out. (laughs) By that point, we'd worked together so much on the internet that it was sort of normal. I mean, you're a writer, so you're a bit weird. But like, you're you're not outside the parameters of writer weird, in my view. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, likewise. So, you know, I think we just sort of got on. And when we're talking through an idea, the the pyramid was being built quite quickly. You know, I'd say something and then she'd top it and then I'd try and top that. And, and the, this season, I think, because like the episodes, as they're presented on the platform, are in reverse order to the order they were actually, I think, written in. Written in, yeah. And there's stuff that Charlie, you already had that you already had bubbling away, and then you would yeah. say, "What do you think of this?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, Charlie, it's great. Thanks for making me feel like absolute shit. You're brilliant. Thank you." Also, with this, we can get onto this actually. But this season started out; it wasn't going to be sort of Black Mirror at all. When we started, it was almost going to be like a sister thing called Red Mirror. So it was it was starting from a different position. Oh. So that was partly why one of the reasons why, in a way, Demon Seventy Nine was the first one. Why did that idea go away? Uh, hmm. Yeah, Charlie. It didn't entirely. The one thing I wish I'd sort of done, well, there's a the, a couple of the episodes were meant to go out with a Red Mirror title sequence, like one or two of them. One of them, actually, Demon does. It, it says Black Mirror presents a Red Mirror film at the start. Demon does. And there's another it, one that, that was going to, uh, which was episode four, Maisie Day was going to, uh, uh, at one point we designed Red Mirror titles for it, took them off, put them back on, took them off, put them back on. I kept changing my mind and then I changed my mind again. And it was too late to change it. Might go ahead in future and change it again. Who knows? Like, that's probably technically possible. For me, the Red Mirror, Black Mirror divide is very clearly supernatural, not supernatural. Um, yeah. And so that was my thinking when I went into it. I was wondering with um, sort of how much research goes into anything that you're doing. So as an example, like with the Locke Henry episode, are you researching like what happens in the wake of there being a true crime series about... Like what actually goes into a town? Um, yeah, no, there wasn't any research really beyond the research, I suppose, there of having watched lots of true crime documentaries. I read lots of horrible books about serial murderers 
I, I'm trying to think of when I when research rears its head, which it doesn't often. Actually, weirdly, there was a bit of research on Locke Henry, which I then sort of slightly had to ignore. The things you worry about that nobody kept. I've not heard one person. I, mention, know I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about, and I've still got bugbear about it. Yeah. Oh, the UV light yeah. sequence. I said at the time, and uh, but but no one's complained. What's your problem with it, Bisha? Nothing. Nothing. No, go ahead. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Well, they go in and they just are able to see the blood under a black light. That's not how that works. But you did. I thought it was right. No I, one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. And I'm like, okay, why? And do you feel like the first mate on the Titanic when you're saying that stuff, Bishop? Sometimes. It depends. Because sometimes it feels like you say it and then the Titanic doesn't actually sink. Because as Charlie pointed out, no one noticed. No one cared. I'm the only person on earth who has this problem. I remember being, uh, there's a phrase that's stuck in my head. I think I said this from... Mm. When we did, I did a show called Dead Set years and years ago, which was like a proto Black Mirror or a proto Red Mirror, actually, in many ways. In that, it's it was it's like a Big Brothery zombie thing. Big Brother, yeah, a zombie apocalypse happens during a season of Big Brother, and I remember the director on that suggesting that something should happen, and I was going, "Yeah, but that's logically that's not that's not how that I can't remember exactly what it was. That's not how that works." And he went, "It's a movie moment. It's a movie moment. It doesn't matter." And I thought the phrase, <laughs> "It's a movie moment." stuck in my head and i think that's true in yeah. that there's all sorts of examples of movie moments that we've done in black mirror where i think the rule is basically if it's entertaining and the audience wants it to happen badly enough you can get away with it what did the good people at netflix make of the word streamberry <laughs> um they were fine i mean it was in joan is awful and then retrospectively i think i put it in lock henry i think that's right the original script just refers to a Netflix slash Disney Plus style streaming service. And it gave it a name, but it was a different name. And it was one that it turned out was not clearable because it's already a thing. By the way, it's really hard to come up with names for tech companies in things because every other fucking word you can think of has been taken. So Streamberry was originally a slightly different title. And I think there was a list of about like... We had to come up with a list of about 10 potential names to see if you could clear any of it. And Streamberry was on that list. And they had no questions or thoughts about that at all. They didn't say, hang on a minute, is this us? But then when it so clearly is to the to the extent that you're using their uh, little jingle. Well, these things happen by degrees, don't they? So maybe in their head they're picturing, well, it's Disney. They'll be like, oh, it's Disney. But this is good. This is already sticking <laughs> to Disney. And then when we come to design the look, of it and we needed to do that fairly quickly because some of it's in camera so i think we just said can we make it look like netflix but so it happened by degrees so they didn't they didn't so maybe by the end someone would have looked back and gone oh my god you've, you've even used the tadum noise but we asked for permission at every stage it was just like slowly like a i guess yeah. like a frog in slowly increasing water <laughs> temperature water do you ever see executives straining to look as if they're in on the joke i don't think i don't know that it's that adversarial yes you build it you have to build shows with the people who are like they want to make great things with you so you're constructing a thing together but i think our idea of executives come from the type of executives we see on shows like black mirror that's fair well that's quite a heightened executive (laughs) fair enough they're not us yeah yeah yeah, to be fair but wait but isn't that what we're talking about when we talk about ai i'm not thinking about executives that we've worked with but i just wonder if I mean, isn't that the point of Joan, right? Is that, and Joan isn't so far extracted from 
what our concerns are in terms of AI and what's happening to writers. Well, no, I think you're right in that the worry is not so much that it's able, certainly currently, to replace a creative human writer, but that to an unscrupulous exec, it might look like it can in the first instance, or it could it could look like it could generate the first stage of something. So the worry is that you'll get execs typing into sort of chat GPT, come up with five new prestige drama ideas for me. And then they go, great, look at this. I've got this new original IP I've just managed to hatch now, but it's, it's still not good enough. So I'll hire some human writers in on the cheap to flesh this out. And so that I think that's the fear, isn't it? It's- I think it's one of one of many concerns, yeah. But we've established that there are no unscrupulous executives, so it's going to be all right. Yeah, so it's, we're all fine. Yeah. Um, Charlie, there's something that I really, really have been wanting to ask you about for years now. Oh, gosh. It's slightly off topic, but I'm going to try and find a way to wheel it back in. Okay. So I know that you're an emetophobe. Oh, yes. And this is fascinating to me because I'm a lifelong emetophobe. And so what I'm curious about for you is, number one, have you figured out a way to solve it, but to keep Black Mirror in, mm-hmm. like with Demon 79, yeah. she's going to go and puke. Yeah. Are you on set <laughs> when you have to watch an actor do a fake vom? And if so, does it trigger you? Tell me everything emotionally about the experience. So, Thanks. so um, well, I'm glad you brought this up. So, a meta- And I've noticed whenever I talk about it, people will go, oh, so am I. I'll get messages. So it's fairly common. Yeah. So a metaphobia, for those who don't, it's the fear of vomit or vomiting. I'm less concerned about other people vomiting than I am about me vomiting, I would say. I don't don't get me wrong. I don't love it. I, I can deal with it in something that I'm watching, that I've written, if you say I mean the fake vomit, because I know it's fake. So it wouldn't bother me too much that because it's because I guess I'm in control of it. I think also having kids now, I'm like like I've had to I had to deal with them vomiting on me when they were younger and stuff like that. And so you slightly get there's a bit of exposure therapy. It's like I used to be afraid of flying. Um, and then just going on planes lots and lots and lots sort of knocks that out of you. More common than people realise. It's really common and no one talks about mm. it. Um, can we throw some rapid fire questions at the two of you before we release you into the remainder of your day? Yeah, of course. What's the smallest screen you'll watch a TV show or film on? <laughs> like a television, like a full television. Does it enrage you when you see people watching stuff you've written on a, on a phone? No, I mean, I'm glad people are watching, frankly. I would agree with on a TV, on which you have properly sorted out the motion smoothing settings. I can't believe that's still a thing. Sarah, you're looking confused. What is that? It's a setting that it seems all TVs have, by default, quite aggressively trying to sort of put on by default, which artificially fills in frames, in between frames, to give something a smooth picture, because the theory is that it looks good with sports, Right, so it makes it look like video rather than uh-huh. film, if you see what I mean. And it drives me absolutely potty when I see it on anything. So that would annoy me more than somebody watching it on a phone. Yeah, I agree with that. Is if I see somebody watching something I've written and they've got motion smoothing on, just the, imagining that scenario has made me very, very angry indeed. But but it's to be fair, it's the fault of all the TV manufacturers. This is a it's a scandal. They've all got all the TVs have got their own stupid name for it, haven't they? Like Magic Engine or sort of like. <laughs> But you just call it show fucker. Yeah. Like, like, shut up, picture ruiner. <laughs> film ruining mode. Let's, let's have a oh, film ruining mode. Is that on by default? Good. Let's put film ruining mode. It might as well bloody shake the screen around every five seconds or something like that and just 
fire broken oh. glass and vomit into your eyes while you're watching it, frankly. <laughs> um, anyway, makes me so cross. All right, we'll check that as soon as we're done. Um, what, what will you watch on telly that your partner absolutely refuses to? Uh, I think he has less interest in kind of romantic shows than I do. I'm more likely to watch like a, like a Bridgerton. But then when it's like a really juicy story that I'll tell him about it and then I'll bring him in to watch an episode. So he's quite open to whatever I'm watching. So my wife, Connie, is not massively into like scatological humour, that sort of thing. But then I'm weirdly puritanical about in real life about farting. Like I think if people fart, I don't find that amusing at all. It makes me quite cross. Wait, do you mean in art or in your life? Well, in both, both, really. I don't find farts funny. You don't? No. I find it... I, it's disgusting. That's particles of your excrement going up my nose. That must be what that is. That must be where the smell's but coming from. But that's why right? it's so funny. That's so funny that someone else's shit is like going into your nostril. I think it's hilarious. Hang on. And you're, you're you anti vomit, right? But you're pro someone shitting up your nose? Yeah. Like, look. Like- if all someone did was shit up my nose, I'd be like, this is fucking stupid. But the occasional bit of shit up my nose is hilarious to me. <laughs> do you think, I was just thinking, do you think, I've read about sort of this, there's that thing, isn't there? All those theories about like gut flora, that we don't eat enough. Like, Do you think there's ever a world in which people will discover that farts, like bits of someone's excrement going up your nose and like whatever it does absorbing onto your nose will come, that that's good for you? Yes, <laughs> and there'll be like and there'll be like therapists where you have to go into a room with people because you can get you can yes. get fecal transplants. Fecal transplants, yeah, exactly. So you have to go into a room that's almost like a sauna, but it's just full of guy like people just like <laughs> yes. like all day long until the air's brown in there, and you're sort of having. Do you think there's yes. ever a this is this is the sort of conversation that my wife hates? By the way, actually, you know what? To be fair, there was a dinner we went to, and Charlie spoke to my friends and me about shit for a full twenty minutes. Oh, shit's fine. Shit is for like shit is fine. Uh, oh, farts, I draw the line. Shit, that's funny. Do either of you have a TV show that you can watch over and over again? It's like putting on that cozy jumper for you. Um, one TV show that I do watch on repeat, which is relevant actually to Charlie existing here. Um, Brass Eye is a comfort show for me. Oh, right. I'll go back and I'll watch old Brass Eye. Oh. Okay, and just sit and enjoy and laugh consistently every single time I watch it. I don't, I don't think I rewatch many things anymore because I've got, I haven't got enough lifespan left. There's probably more hours of footage on one streaming platform than I have left in my body, which is a depressing and sobering Oy. thought. So I don't have that wow. much time. Sorry for bringing everyone down. Um, but, so I don't have that much time left probably to, to rewatch things. I used to. I rewatched The Young Ones so much that I, I, I used to transcribe it the whole script by hand i just wanted more of the young ones and i wanted to i guess probably understand how it worked this that and the other just to finish yeah. apart from black mirror what what should we be watching god uh i'm a virgo on prime i'm a virgo you're literally you guys are literally writing these down yeah yeah wow no what, we could, care we could That's... just make a show up couldn't we yeah. yeah oh okay you guys bisha and charlie potato said. kingdom on um i would love to make a potato kingdom yeah show. project potato kingdom Okay. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland on iPlayer. Oh, yeah, I'm hearing good things about that. That's a very good documentary. Oh, I, I really enjoyed Jury Duty. Oh, yeah. Jury Duty, it sounds cruel, but it's, it's sort of, it, it, it becomes like celebratory. It's Lovely. not quite like perfect, but it's like a, 
It's a sort of reality comedy show where there's a guy who thinks he's in a, a juror in a real trial, but everyone else involved in it is a is an actor or an improvisational comedian. There's that. Oh, uh, I know the other one. Twenty four hours in police custody. I got obsessed with that, which is you can't find them all. Like there's a, like it's on Channel Four, and it was a thing where I always assumed that it was just footage of the police nicking joyriders, but it's actually quite complex and bizarre. And, and disturbing cases. So there's that, but there's not many of them on the Channel 4 thingamajig, whatever it's called the, today, because they 4OD. keep changing the name of their app every five seconds, so you can't tell what it's called. Yeah, I feel like it's been 4OD since I was in my 20s, and it remains 4OD. Like, I refuse to believe. I hate to say it, Bishop, this is what happens as you get older. You're failing to now embrace new things. It's like yes. the London Eye. Is, is the London Eye called something else now, isn't it? Called the like... last minute dot com. Is that? Am I going insane? Is it last minute? Last minute dot com. That's, come on, that's very 1999. No, there, no, no, no. But there's some, I know, There's. is there not some connection? I wouldn't go in... on anything that looked a bit dangerous and, and said last <laughs> minute on it. Like, <laughs> 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 on that bit, I couldn't. I couldn't shake the sense that I was about to be in, involved in an incident because it's all glass on a sunny day. <laughs> if you switch the aircon off, it's just like a rotisserie sort of like cooker for whole groups of people could just go in there. I mean, what a nightmarish way to go. Just the gates are like slowly, slowly cooked in a tourist trawl while people sort of look at you. There's <laughs> such a through line here for me with you and this stuff and the flying and the emetophobia. Like this is all, it's all the same. Fear of what you can't the control. concern about the London Eye it's like an anxiety disorder. Yeah. Anyways. Well, you've done a great job of monetizing it and producing oh some fantastic gosh. television and really writing have. over the years. Oh, that's very kind. Made it work for you. Yeah, that yeah. didn't go over well, that compliment. No, You'll talk about Look, puking all day, but the compliment, you really shut down. My God. I was, so I read, it was Gary Witter, who's a screenwriter. He was saying something along the lines of, when someone pays him a compliment, he doesn't feel emotionally connected to it. But he obsesses over the mistakes and errors. And he switched this thing that I thought about for a good day afterwards that someone had said to him it's like tetris that your successes immediately disappear but your mistakes keep piling up <laughs> and i thought oh god that's oh that's awful but true yeah that's made me quite anxious thinking about that maybe that's the right note to end on is your anxiety level with you receiving a nice compliment yeah <laughs> it's like a bit of shit going up your nose and like from somebody's ass that then dissipates <laughs> immediately possibly makes you Better. Sorry, I've paid up, paid me a nice compliment, and I've just said it was. I've just likened it to shit flying out of someone's ass. What a treat, Bisher and Charlie. Charlie and Bisher. Where do we go from here? Well, we don't want to be dismissive of whoever we speak to next week. Ebb and flow. Ebb and flow. Ebb there and will be an flow. ebb and a flow. Also, next week we're hoping to launch a little Patreon thing for you and us. Well, yeah, it's for us. But I, yeah, okay, let's let's play along. It's for you guys. It's for you. We're going to launch a Patreon, but I feel we've been very logistic heavy this episode. So we're going to wheel that in and then unfurl next week or maybe the week after. Yeah, great. All right, you've logged into the old inbox for the first time in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And in, in the future, let a thousand flowers bloom. Oh, yeah. People are going to be recommending TV shows, agreeing with us, disagreeing with us. I'm going to get to make people feel unimportant by ignoring them. <laughs> like, I'm like the popular girl and I can't really handle all my minions at once. But at the moment, listen, this podcast game, man, it is it is brutal. It's You got to put out every week and we have not been doing that. So 
We did not have a heaving inbox. However, we have cobbled together a little something. And cobble, of course, is not referencing the quality of what we've received. These are the leftovers from when we were in succession mode. These are contributions from oldies. Yeah. But I think one of them is, is sort of already said, like, like what are you guys going to, I mean, I'm not saying I'm sticking around, but if you're asking me. <laughs> like, he really wants us to work for him, like prove ourselves, which is like a little cunty, but kind of fair. And is ex- exactly how I would be feeling. I would be feeling like that, but I wouldn't feel the need to tell the host of the podcast I listen to that. It's not how he meant it. This is okay. the thing is that people text or email each other and then tones get lost. You, you often tell me this is a problem with me and email. And verbally. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're calling this Says to Watch. What do you mean? So glad you asked. Joe Allen says to watch the film version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Now, hang hang on. Did we go and see that at the cinema? (laughs) No. Basically, in one of the top four worst fights we've ever had in our marriage... You had to go to work and be on the radio. So, like, we couldn't talk through the fucking horror of it all. And it was so difficult for me. I was so overcome with, like, my rage that I went to see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So, do you have any memory of the actual film? No. Um, I will then also say that Ashley Grant says to watch the original BBC version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, what she said to put me off. She says the production values leave something to be desired, but the acting is just jaw-dropping. It's quite a slow burn, but in a delicious, satisfying way. Rather than boring or plotty, I will fall asleep to that. Yeah, I've seen it, actually, and I think it's one of the greatest things that's ever been on television, but there's no way you're going to... You think it's one of the greatest things that's ever been on television? Yeah, absolutely, I do, yeah. You do? Yes. Oh, well, maybe I'll try one. I just don't think you will cope with that pacing. (laughs) It's like I'm a baby or something and we're talking about whether or not like our child is going to be able to handle a film that we're thinking about like as a Christmas family thing. Um, Charlotte Deaver says to watch The Bear. A lot of people are saying that. I won't watch it. Going back to think about Red Lines, for me... It's just too much meat. Okay, I'm going to watch it. I try not to bang on about it, but I don't like looking at dead animal flesh. Yeah. To you, it's not a tasty looking mane. It's like... It's like watching a snuff, I don't know, not a snuff film, but it's like a, a horrendous news report from sure. a war zone. But that actor is fucking hot. <laughs> All right, this only works if you do your bit. We want your recommendation, please. What should we be watching? Let us know. Have you heard us glibly dismiss something that is actually a work of genius? Convince me. But there's a bunch of platforms, there's a bunch of channels. We're not all seeing eyes. No. That's why you come in with your recommendation, please. Email us with that. Also, what are your red lines? What are the things, the tiny, often irrational things that will prevent you from even giving a show a go? And what put the poison in? What was the TV show that your life was never quite the same after seeing it? Like Sarah and and the Black Mirror Pig episode. But is is there something that robbed a little bit of your joy and you will never get it back again? Oh, my God. What put the poison in you? The email address. Fuck off. At firecrotchandnormcore.com. That was episode one post metamorphosis. Yes. Give us some fucking time to work out our kinks, okay? 
We're not idiots. So what it is that we're trying to do, we're figuring out as we go here a little bit. So just stick with us here so we can hit our groove and then tighten our shit up. Don't be fucking one and done like a cunt. Be nice and generous and open and let us go on a journey. All right, Bishop K. Ali liked to watch I'm a Virgo on Amazon Prime. Bisha and Charlie Brooker like to watch Jury Duty on Amazon Freebie. I didn't even know that was a thing. So much to learn. Charlie also liked Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland, BBC iPlayer, and 24 Hours in Police Custody. But it sounded like not the stuff that you can get on Channel 4's player. You have to go looking for the real hardcore stuff. No, no. This is, we want ease of access here for people. Strike it. We like to watch Righteous Gemstones, Series 3 is airing now. It's an HBO show, which means here you can see it on Sky and Now TV. Sarah liked to watch And Just Like That. Sarah can't help but watch And Just Like That. (laughs) And I like to watch And Just Like That. Which is uh, also uh, HBO, Sky, Now TV. Wham! is streaming on Netflix. And the same goes for Black Mirror. I particularly enjoyed Lock Henry and Demon 79. I particularly enjoyed... Lock Henry and Under the Sea. Listen, guys, thank you. Give us a chance. Okay? Go on a few dates with us. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Arrivederci, baby. Ciao for now. That sounded like the kind of thing Andrew originally will be hearing on his Italian holiday. Oh my gosh, in Capri or Cinque Terre? <laughs> All right, we're thrilled that you listened, and we really hope you'll listen to us again next week. Arriva Dirty, babies. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.